This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Welcome, friend, to our weekly garden party. We hope you brought along your questions because it's time to dish the dirt. On The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio. And good morning, and the good news is... It isn't raining. <laughs> My God. And, Charlie, good morning. Uh, good morning. And there's no rain in the forecast until tomorrow night. Oh, really? So we've got a 36-hour window here to get outside and enjoy Holy some mackerel. dry Yeah, we, air. we've had it with the rain, I'm telling you. Just be happy you don't live on the island. Oh, brother, yeah. Or near any body yeah. of water. How long can you tread water? Oh, you know, man, that's what yeah. it is over there right now. Anyway. Well, I guess you could fish for your lunch off the porch, anyway. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Ain't that a bad idea. Uh, a lot of carp, I understand, I caught understand. in puddles. <laughs> I know. Yikes. Uh, anyway, here we are at the Garden Show, mm-hmm. underway here from uh, Zoomer Radio. And by the way, uh, it's a big day here at the station it, because it, at Zoomerplex, we're open for open. doors open. That's right. Doors open Toronto is today yep. and tomorrow. Yep. And we're open. But today is the uh, the day for us. Oh, is I it? I believe it's just today. Just today? Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. Well, there's lots of people here and lots going on, so come on down. Check us out. All righty. <laughs> all righty. Let me get the phone numbers on the air for those who have a garden question. Uh, by all means, give us a call. Uh, talk to Charlie. Here in Toronto, it's 416-360-0740. Anywhere else in the province, one 866 740 Four seven forty a toll free line. Uh, remember our little mantra, please. One question per call early, call off, and one question <laughs> per call. And if you're a first time caller, let Sebastian know. And uh, when you come to the area, you'll hear that a little gardening wings you'll you'll get. That's right. The bell. Yeah. The bell is your reward for making right. that call and getting your wings, so that you'll just have yeah. that much more fun in the garden. And I, I'll ask you to be patient and kind. Uh, to me today because, Aww. yeah, my birthday was on Thursday, but Aww. we had the whole gang of my family out on uh, on uh, last night to the farm there and uh, uh, partied I, your little. Well, you buns know, there was a lot of toasting going on. <laughs> <laughs> so if I'm not up to speed, <clears throat> it, it, it it's going to take me a while maybe to recover. You know. Well, you know, we don't put a lot of demands on you no, on the garden true. show, so I'm hoping you'll be able to you know give the numbers <laughs> and sign in and sign out and all that important all stuff. That stuff. And, unless all you right. want to try and. To, you know, take some answers. No, no, no. Come on. No, no, I'm, I'm, I need a break sometimes too. You know, <laughs> but really, really happy birthday to you. Yeah, it was. It was fun. It significant. Was fun. We both yes. had significant birthdays this yeah. year. Yeah, yeah. Seventy-five. Getting better all the time. Yep. Older yep. and wiser. Well, older. It's not the fact. It's not the number that counts. It's no. the fact that you can keep counting. You know? <laughs> that, you, yeah. that you can remember it. <laughs> <laughs> what do we got there, Charlie? On the uh, we got lots shift. going on. You know that. So tomorrow, the Hamilton and Burlington Rose Society is meeting at two o'clock at the Royal Botanical Garden Center, six eight zero Plains Road West in Burlington, in room number three. This is a workshop led by expert rose growers and showers and is entitled Floral Design Demo and Rose Show Tips on Exhibiting and Answers to All Those Rose Dilemmas. It is in preparation for the June 24th 
and 25th Rose Show. So put that on your calendar because that Rose Show is really knock your socks off kind of an event. Of course, everyone is welcome to this uh, um, demonstration tomorrow at 2 o'clock. No entrance fee, of course, no parking or anything. Something special that's going on at the Toronto Botanical Gardens is the Woman to Woman Garden Party. It's a lovely lunch in the garden. It takes place this Tuesday, May the 30th. There's garden talks, there's demos, there's amazing food. It's a major fundraiser for the Toronto Botanical Gardens. Uh, I will be there as one of the garden gurus, if you will, mm-hmm. answering questions and sitting at a table with some of the special uh, guests to the event. And, uh, oh, yeah, there's it's just so much. And, it, you know, hopefully the weather's going to be great. But even if it's not, there are tents mm-hmm. and there's, you know, if it rains a bit, we're under we're, we're protected from the elements. But we're out in the garden through the entire afternoon. So that's going to be just beautiful. So please come to that if you can. A garden that I've mentioned in the past is called Whistling Gardens. Oh, yes. I remember you talking yeah. about this. Yeah. And I think, didn't we have Darren? Darren Heinbecker was yes. on the show at one mm-hmm. time. So, like, he is, he's a very special person, all right? He had this dream about building and creating uh, a botanical garden. Mm-hmm. So in the middle of almost nowhere, but it's not really nowhere, but it's kind of off the beaten track, he did just that. He proceeded over the last 30 years to create a botanical gardens. Him, his wife, his team, they are celebrating the Whistling Gardens Peony Festival. Runs, runs from May 28th till June 30th, so you've got the whole entire month of June. They're celebrating North America's largest public peony collection. No kidding. 1,000 plus varieties. So if you're a peony person, you might want to go and check out the 1,000 plus varieties that are happening at Whistling Gardens this next month. How can you get directions? Well, they're located at what's called New Highway 24 and 403, but there's now new signage up on the highways to help you find Whistling Gardens. It is a -a one-of-a-kind experience. So uh, best way to get best instructions for you is is just go to the website, www.whistlinggardens.ca. So whistlinggardens, one word, dot ca. And there's all kinds of events all summer. Uh, June the 3rd, the Harriston Horticultural Society is hosting a garden festival featuring annuals, perennials, shrubs, hanging baskets, garden accents, master gardeners, and food. It's all happening at the Harriston Community Centre, 11 George Street, open from 8 a.m. till mm-hmm. 2 p.m. free admission. Excellent. Is that okay? That's Shall I stop? Better than okay. (laughs) Uh, Actually, yeah, we we have to kind of cool it for a moment. We're at 9.13 here on the Garden Show from the Zoomerplex in Liberty Village. And uh, we've got folks lined up uh, already. In fact, uh, two of our calls that are on the monitor in front of me here... Our first-time callers. Uh, nice. We'll be along, though, to speak Get to... Get your some, arm yes. loosened up there, buddy. <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> Sandra from South Etobicoke is coming up next, though, after we return after these words. Don't change stations just because the weather changes. Garden tips and advice all year round. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio. Well, Charlie, we're joined uh, right now online from uh, South Etobicoke. Mm-hmm. Sandra. Hi. Good morning, Sandra. Good morning, Charlie. Good morning, Frank. Sorry Good. you're feeling a little... <laughs> no, I'm okay. He's I'm okay. fine. <laughs> I'm taking him out for some, uh, you know, mimosas or a little the hair of the dog that bit him later, so he'll be fine. That sounds good. My question is about my gooseberry bush. Mm-hmm. Years ago, we had that late frost and it killed the flowers. Okay. Ever since then... It hasn't flowered properly this year. I think there were no flowers at all. 
it looks incredibly healthy. It's about four and a half feet high by three feet wide. It's probably coming up to around 20 years old. Oh, my. Thinking, is this the time that I take it out? No, not necessarily. Um, what about pruning? Do you ever prune that? Yes, little... I do. You do, eh? And do you prune it like... The, the trick with gooseberries is you want to prune from the ground, at ground level. You want to prune out the older stems. So, and you know the older ones because they're the thicker stems and also the bark is kind of peeling on the, on the uh, plants, on those stems. I don't take those out. I do create the air in the center because I believe they like air to... True, it. to avoid mildew, yep. Um, so it, it never gets mildew. I mean, it just looks so incredibly healthy. Hmm, but no flowers. No flowers. Well, so I'm just wondering if maybe what you've got, there's so much old wood uh, that it's ending up uh, with non-fruiting um, spurs, if you will. Because that's the thing with the, the bushes, the fruit, uh, any of the, the currants, the gooseberries, etc. Is pruning old wood. Um, always encouraging new wood. So at any one time, the only branches that are on that plant should be only up to three years old. So you'd have one, two, three years, and this being the fourth year would be the, you know, the new shoots coming up this year. So anything older than three years old should have should have been removed and is removed annually. Uh, fertilizer doesn't sound like it's a big deal if it's looking so green and bushy and huge. Fertilizer. It gets yeah. compost. Yeah, that's good. Um, yeah, sunshine, avoiding insects and diseases is important. But I, I'd be inclined to think about the pruning. There is a good, um, um, like OMAFRA, the Ontario Ministry of Agriculture and Food and Rural Affairs, has a fact sheet called Currants and Gooseberries, which might be of interest to you to just give it a peek. It's um, just under OMAFRA, so that's the, you know, the mm-hmm. um, acronym for the Ontario Ministry of Agriculture, Food and Rural Affairs, .gov.on.ca. And then it's under Crops. And just or just Google it. Just Google Gooseberries Ontario, and you'll yeah. see that something will come up. That's yeah. a government fact sheet. Might help you just in terms of some little detail. I don't think of gooseberries as getting too old for their to, to bear fruit, though. They, you know, they're good for a long, long time as long as they're maintained. That's what I thought, and yeah. it was yielding. You know, maybe twelve. 13, 14 pounds of fruit. Yeah, wow. bad. Yeah, no, when they're happy, they're really happy. Very productive. Yeah. For the last three years. Yeah, well, it's, it's odd. Nothing. Well, that, you know, the, that late frost can do it for one year, but it shouldn't have affected, you know, subsequent years. That's what I thought. When should I prune out the old wood? Very early spring, late winter, early spring. Late now to do anything for next year. Correct. I wouldn't probably do anything too radical this year. If You, you could take out, if there's, you know, if you're going to, if you haven't done any pruning yet this year, I would look down at base level. Perhaps you could take out a couple of the older stems, but I wouldn't do anything too too right. massive yeah. right now. I'd wait until next sort of March. Okay. All right. So just when it looks like it's going to to bud? Exactly. But yep, that's the right time. Okay, thank you very much. All righty, thank calling. you, Sandra. Yeah, indeed. 9.20. Uh, let's, hey, let's uh, get my bell-ringing arm in shape here. <laughs> Hey, that's for Josie in Scarborough, first-time caller. Hi, Josie. Welcome to the show. Oh, hi, Craig. Good morning. And uh, Charlie, um, I'm calling about my lily of the valley. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, a, it's a bed. It's been there for many years. Mm-hmm. And some years back, something's messed with the plants, and it killed off about half of them, like I think an animal or something like that. Mm-hmm. And uh, now they're, they're re- rejuvenating, mm-hmm. but in the wrong place. <laughs> they're coming into the lawn. Mm-hmm. And there's a fair number of them, and I really like to keep them 
Is it possible to transplant them? The problem is, is if you do transplant them, it's going to be hard to not take a lawn with them. Uh, and you sure don't want to be planting a lawn into your garden. No. So I wonder, so the area where they died out, that has not rejuvenated so much? Is that still a, a naked patch? Well, there are still, there are some, but very sparse. And I, I tend to think it might have been, I don't know, maybe a skunk or a raccoon came in that way and flattened them all down, you know, that type of damage. That's Well, raccoons are just oblivious of plants. They'll just yes. walk right over anything. Well, they, they charge right through. Nuts. And uh, it was very <laughs> skimpy, didn't come back. Mm. But this year, they just totally rejuvenated. <sighs> But Not the, where you want them. <laughs> they're growing in the wrong direction. I mean, you can. It would be some work. You know, you getting your spade, you would lift, you know, dig out that chunks of sod with the lily of the valley part of it. Uh-huh. You know, be sitting down or comfortable on the ground to do this. Yeah. Once you've lifted out those chunks, and they, they don't have to be huge, you know, it might be a one foot by one foot square of sod you'd pick okay. up. Yeah. And then you would just literally with your fingers peel out the lily of the valley. Like they uh-huh. will come out as little individuals. Individuals. Oh. Ultimately, you're going to put the sod back where you took it out from, mm-hmm. and you're going to take those little pips, if you want yeah. to call them that, little, oh, little, yes, I've seen little, the, way the roots grow. Yeah, and and then you'll just go over to where you do want them, uh, rough up or you know shake up that soil a bit, maybe add a little compost, make it a happy place for the new plants uh-huh. to just be popped in, and they should take off pretty easily. This is certainly perfect weather for the kind. You know, it's cool, it's moist, wonderful for doing any kind of transplanting or dividing still. So they're blooming very nicely now. Yeah. Well, that's uh, so great. Are any time they're finished blooming, do I have to wait till they're finished blooming, or should I do it right away? You could... Uh, the weather is with you to do it now, but oh. it will limit the blooms. So that just means you'll have fewer blooms this year than you would have wanted for next year, because technically you should cut off the blooms of whatever ones you are popping out and, and moving. Oh, of course, yeah. Yeah, yeah. okay. But Thank next you. year they should be fine. Oh, that's great. No, well, maybe I'll give it a try. It's worthwhile. Yeah, well, today's going to be a nice day. No rain. Yeah, because they do smell nice. And they're, oh, they're the best. Yeah. yeah. So that's wonderful, then. Thank Thanks you for, for joining us, Josie. Thank you. At 9.23, the Garden Show from Zoomer Radio, AM 740 and 96.7 FM in downtown Toronto. Another first-time caller coming up in moments. Fur and feathers and bugs of all size. There's more going on in the garden than you realize. Should small creatures become a big problem, then you've got the Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Exclusively on Zoomer Radio. Well, Charlie, let's welcome from Barry, first-time caller Carol. There you are, Carol. Welcome to the show. Why, thank you very much for taking my call. What's going on? Um, Mainly it's the yucca plant, and it's doing it now on the angel trumpet. It's brown spots showing on the leaves. Mm -hmm. Um, They're brown on the outside ring, and then a lighter golden brown on the inside. Right. And that is an indication of how much rain we've been having. Oh. That's the, what that is. That's high humidity. That's uh, the beginning of fungus. You know, the little spores have landed there and they've been able to uh, germinate and start to grow. Now, they are not, there's no fungus that's going to annihilate or kill your yucca or your angel trumpet, providing they have adequate drainage for the plants. 
Both, there's two good examples of plants that like well-drained soil. So if you happen to be have placed the yucca or the angel trumpet, that, uh, properly known as datura, into a low-lying area of the garden where the water tends to collect, then the plants could suffer from just soggy soil and lack of drainage. Um, but otherwise, yeah, it's a superficial, um, not very sightly, uh, you know, spot. I cut off the laying down leaves on the yucca okay. plant. That's fine. They're not supposed to lay down. They stand up straight. Yeah, there's the older leaves always at the very outside, lower, and they do tend to lie flat, exactly. So cutting off the laying flat leaves mm-hmm. would be better. Yeah, that's fine. You can cut those off. as long. I tend to leave leaves alone if there's green. Uh, if they're predominantly brown, then they're, you know, on their way out, they, sure. Lower ones were turning yellow. Yeah, yeah, and they were they were in the process of senescing or finishing and allowing all that new growth to pop through in the center of the plant. But okay. yeah, a little leaf blight is what you've got going on there. There's nothing really you can do other than ensure, you know, adequate air circulation, like I said, well, good proper drainage and pray for sun. <laughs> and no fertilizer other than compost and manure. Well, compost and manure are wonderful and are adequate. Uh, I probably wouldn't add more fertilizer on top of those amendments. But if a month or so from now you wanted to add some flowering plant fertilizer, something like a 15-30-15, particularly on the angel trumpet, just to encourage those flowers, that would be fine. Okay, well, thank you very much for taking my call. I appreciate your assistance. Our oh, pleasure. Welcome, Carol. Thanks for calling. Okay, thank, thank you very much. Nine twenty nine here on the Garden Show from Zoomer Radio, and uh, Charlie, of course, accepting your calls in Toronto four one six three six zero zero seven forty anywhere else in the province. Toll free one eight six six seven forty four seven forty. I'm Frank Proctor, the sous chef of the garden. Always delighted to sit beside Charlie as we do the show here. Hey, from Milton, it's Rosa. Hi, Rosa. Good morning. Good morning, Charlie. Good morning. Good morning. Thank you for taking my call. Uh, My problem is with orchids. Mm -hmm. I've got three of them, but only one of them I'm going to ask you about. Now, I call them worms. I don't know what they are. Are those roots? Yeah, they are. Leave them alone. Don't touch them. Don't touch them. But one of them is so long. I know. They're really, they can look kind of insidious, can't they? Yes. <laughs> they it's are. It's taking over like it, it's just, oh, it's getting. Creeping. Like it takes over the beauty of it. Well, you know, from an orchid's perspective, those roots are pretty beautiful. And it's, then don't try to maybe uh, curl it and no. put it back into the no. pot. No, no. Oh, my God. I know. It is. A, but, you know. Maybe it's telling you, uh, so the orchid where you've got the serious root action, is that a plant that hasn't been um, potted up to a big pot for a number of years, or is it a fairly new plant? Oh, well, it's a fairly new plant Mm. because it was gifted to me. Okay, yeah, so it's probably not that. You know, that's what orchids do. I mean, you've got to remember, orchids are not a plant that typically grows out of the ground. They are a plant that grow out of the crotches of trees or little nooks and crannies in in, um, decaying wood, etc. So they they're not big on deep soil. They are very big on using their roots and their leaves to get everything they need. They get moisture. They get uh, a certain amount of um, nutrient even out of the air, and that's what those roots are doing. Okay. Yeah, so don't don't be mean okay, to them. Don't. And a healthy root should be green. It should be uh, firm, and the tip is silver. Oh, no, no. This is not that. It's white. Okay, well, it's, the whole thing is white? 
Pardon me? The whole thing or just yes, the tip? It's, it's white. Is it wrinkled up and white? No, it's straight out like a bullet, the oatmeal. Oh, yes, white. So it's weird. That is weird. Yes. White is weird. Long. If it's whole, Well, unless it was green and it's faded to white. But usually if it's gone white, it would be wrinkled and, and you no, know, dying. No, this is just a... It's just having a lot of fun. Keep growing. <laughs> but if you see, the, the white should turn green in the presence of the sunshine, just because that's the way it works. Sun beats down and chloroplasts photosynthesize. Okay. And so it they also turn has it green. now, I'm actually going to get another flower from it, right? Nice. So that was initially leaning over and curling up. So what I did was I put a stick on it yep. and then... I, I attached it, and that's, that's okay? Fine. Yeah, yeah, it's fine, because the flower stems do need to be supported, so okay. they do need to be staked. So in terms of this white root, um, if you have a phone that takes, or a camera, why not take me a picture and email it to me, and I'll t- I can take a look at what's going on there. I'm, I'm uh, computer illiterate. Oh, okay. well, <laughs> Otherwise, I would have went to, everybody says to me, Rosa, go on the computer and ask Google. <laughs> And I said, cool. okay, sure, and I'm not going to tell them I don't know what they're talking about. Well, do you have a camera you can take, like, an old-fashioned photograph and just mail it to me? Okay, then I just might. All right, sure. I'd like to see this, because that's unusual. Something that's white and alive is unusual. <laughs> green, typically should be green. Okay. You get a piece of paper and pencil handy, uh, Rosa, okay? Okay. Because uh, Charlie, I know, has the address. I don't have that off the top of my head. I know it's 70 Jefferson Street here yeah, in 70 Toronto. 70 Jefferson yep. Avenue. Toronto M6K1Y4 is Excellent. our That's what I might do. My mailing. son, he's computer. There you go. Oh, there you go. He'll yeah. do this for okay. me. Okay. So and then what do I say to him then? Just say, email Charlie, and here is her email address. It's okay. c.dobbin, D-O-B-B-I-N, at mzmedia.com. There you go. And there's there's the helpful little word yeah. for uh, Rosa out there Thank in you. Milton. Um, let me see. Oh, hey, we're off to uh, Pickering right now at 934 to Cindy. Good morning, Cindy. Welcome to the show. Good morning. morning. And I'm sorry, but growing like a tall tree, good as gold, sing a happy birthday to a zero. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's great. Thanks. Perfect. I love Thank it. Thank you. Yeah. Um, I'm phoning about my candelabra cactus. Mm-hmm. It's now 28 inches tall. Mm. Um, it's in a pot that's six inches in diameter mm. and eight inches tall. Mm-hmm. Do I need to repot? Okay, so if you pick up that pot and you look at the drainage holes at the bottom, do you see roots? Cause, no. Okay, because that is your indication that it is time to replant, to transplant up to a bigger pot. However, at some point that plant is going to be so top-heavy it's going to start, you know, falling over. Yeah. When you do, well, for now, I assume it's in a plastic pot. So what I would do is I, was, I would have that plastic pot in a ceramic Overpot, so something that's heavy or you know metal, something that's a heavy what we call a cash pot or an overpot. So the plastic sits inside something that is heavy and stabilizes, makes the whole plant bottom heavy. Yes, I have. And at some point, it could be next spring, perhaps, because they are you know small roots, and we don't want to pot them up any sooner than we need to because it's very shocking to do this. But best time to do it is the spring or early summer to pot up to the next size only 
really one size up, right? So if it's in a six inch, we go to an eight inch. If it's eight inch, we go to a 10 inch. But you could go into a clay pot next time. So that's the terracotta clay. Uh, Excellent with any of the cacti or succulents because it allows excellent drainage. It's hard to overwater when we're in those kind of pots. Plus they're bottom heavy. So it helps with that stability that often can be an issue. Do you have any um, hints on how to support it while I'm doing this? With friends. Oh, well, it's eight, it's 28 inches high. Yeah. So um, do I wrap it in something while I'm lifting it? or? Um, usually what I would do is it would be nice to have, have some helpers because you're right, you want to minimize breakage. Laying it down on its side can work, but then, you know, the lifting it back up mm-hmm. or having a one person holding it in an upright position over a newspaper while another person pulls the pot away from below, having the fresh pot nearby, fresh cactus soil or well-drained potting soil, excuse me, into the new pot and loosening up the roots on the, you know, the root ball and popping it into the, the new pot plant, you know, the new pot. But that is the challenge. You do really need to probably have help when it's something that big. Do you want to come for a coffee? <laughs> <laughs> Very Thank sneakily you. done. Well, you know, Frank always likes to learn more. He might be interested. Yeah. <laughs> well, okay, but it wouldn't you. solve the problem. Sure. Thanks a lot. I can Cindy. direct. <laughs> <laughs> All righty. Hey, the Garden Show from Zoomer Radio. Now, here's a lovely name. Sunday in Pickering and first time caller at that too. Hello, Sunday. Good morning. Good morning, Frank and Charlie. Good morning. I have a beautiful um, Japanese maple, and uh, there's a couple of dead branches on there. I just wondered when I can cut those out. Oh, right away. Okay. In the spring, even before things leaf out, Mm. uh, we can see what's dead, we can see what's diseased, and we can see what's damaged after the winter. And so at any time... Any time of the year when you see any of the 3Ds, you have your sharp little pruners in hand and you remove anything that's dead, diseased, or damaged, regardless of the season. The only limiting factor is don't do it when it's raining. So we try to not wound our plants uh, with the pruning when it's raining, just because it uh, opens up the plant for disease. Oh, all right. Okay. Okay, great. Thank yeah, you so and, much. Uh, before you go, Sunday, yeah. would you tell me, I, I said Pickering uh, mistakenly, Turkey Point yeah. is uh, where you're calling from. Where exactly is that? Um, we're just um, a little bit west of Port Dover. Oh, okay, in Lake Erie. Yeah, yeah, yeah right. Very good. Yeah. Okay, thanks for joining the show. Yeah, thanks well, for calling. You're welcome. Thank you for the info. Okay. pleasure. 9.38 here on Zoomer Radio. Let's take a little bit of a break uh, right here, and uh, we'll come back to uh, talk to our callers, uh, including Kim from Aurelia, who's next online here on The Garden Show. Daffodils and daisies, bluebells and begonias, forsythia and foxgloves, marigolds, magnolia, lavender and lupins, dahlias, delphiniums, stalks, fox, hollyhocks, tulips and sweet williams. You've picked the right place for everything floral. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio. And the sous chef of the garden, Frank Proctor, saying a hi, I think, to the president of the international Frank Proctor fan club, uh, Kim and Aurelia. Is that right? You're right, chat. Frank. Boy, boy, boy. Good morning, Kim. Getting older, his memory's good. There you go. He's holding up pretty well, actually. (laughs) Yeah, I know, I know. What's going on in Aurelia? What's going on in Aurelia? I just want to know. I called Charlie before about my split leaf philodendron. Mm-hmm. And um, like it, I have it staked up, but it doesn't seem to work. You told me to use something like a tomato 
tomato plant, plant thing holder, whatever. Like sure. a tomato cage? Uh, yeah, because it's an indoor plant, and you've got it, like, leaning up against a wall or in the middle of the room? Well, it's staked up, and, yeah, it kind of leans against the wall because yeah. those stakes don't work. Things that I work don't work. Mm-hmm. And it's as old as I am, and I want to keep it. Mm-hmm. That's fine. So the, the main thing is to come up with whatever structure you can to provide uh-huh. support. Initially, you're going to tie the plant or direct the plant through the support. I mean, this is a good time of year to go to a garden center and pick up a trellis. I mean, you know, just like a wooden trellis, uh-huh. uh, you know, that's got <coughs> uprights and cross beams and all that sort of thing. And with the growing tips, you can send them, you know, they're flexible. Place them. Exactly. You can uh, put them through the trellis or use very soft. And again, you can pick these things up easily in a garden center now. They'll have tomato ties. So it'll be a little soft, could be little Velcro ties or could be little um, sort of stretchy, uh, soft, green, um, not twist ties to uh, attach plants to structures. Because philodendrons don't have any kind of, um, uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for, you know? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> appendages that hold on. <laughs> That's, there's another word for it. <laughs> so they don't naturally hold on themselves. They will grow roots all over the place. So they're pretty funky looking plants when they get old. So uh, kind of like that orchid that our caller called about earlier. Big roots everywhere. The philodendrons can do that as well. But that's all you can really do is just provide whatever support you can. Don't move the pot. You've got to, unfortunately, leave it alone and, and let the plant do its thing on whatever yeah, wall. So I couldn't repot it or anything now? Uh, probably with friends, because, again, that's a big plant to be fooling around with. So, uh, you know, depending on how... Get some help. Yeah, how mm-hmm. big it is and or whether you're prepared... You this afternoon, Frank? <laughs> <laughs> I'm a little tied up, unfortunately. <laughs> Thanks a lot, Kim. He likes being busy when these questions come <laughs> and, up. <laughs> yes, indeed, yeah. Thank you so much, Kim. Uh, 9.44, as we check in with another first-time caller. Boy, we've got a n- number of them this I morning. I know. Here's a, that's for Doug and Lindsay. Good, Good morning, Doug. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Yes, I'm having a problem with my forsythia. Hmm. I have no flowers on them this year at all. Okay, and when did you last prune them? Last year. What time of year? Mm, it would have been right around the early part of August. Okay, so when you pruned it last year, you pruned off the new growth, uh, and that is where your flowers were going to be. So the trick with any flowering shrubs is we prune them, but we prune them right after they flower. And that way the growth that forms after that pruning will have the flower buds for the following year. Okay, so right. by pruning late like that, you likely pruned off where, where the flowers would have been. Okay. And, and of course, it was a fairly mild winter, but I still have seen a number of forsythia where the, the only flowering is right down at the bottom of the plant and the whole top of the plant is green. Mm-hmm. And what that tells you is that the bottom of the plant was under snow and it survived those few very cold days we had. Mm-hmm. The flower survived, whereas the green was above the, the snow and those flower buds were frosted off. Sure, so that, to display next year then if I do... If you do your pruning now... Whatever pruning you're going to do between now and next spring, you do it now and, and pray for either a mild winter or lots of snow. <laughs> and Because remember, those flower buds are forming in the late summer, early fall in order to be ready to go in early spring. Okay. Thank you very much. You're very welcome. Very good, Doug. Thank you for uh, reaching us from Lindsay, Ontario. Favorite old stomping ground of mine. I know. Fact. Yeah. 
945, not actually 50, 946 <laughs> on a yeah, Saturday morning. By the way, we've got a couple of lines open right now. Mm-hmm. Want to get a hold of Charlie? This would be an excellent time to call. 416-360-0740 in Toronto. Anywhere else in the province, it's toll-free, 1-866-740-4740. And uh, first-time caller, here we go again. Uh, for uh, Your arms Valerie. getting quite the workout today. In good Mississauga. morning, Valerie. Good morning. Welcome. Good morning. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much. What's going on at your place? Well, we have a Dutch elm tree that we had to have removed, mm-hmm. and now we have growth coming out the trunk of it. Mm. And what I want to know: Do I let it grow, or do I have to cut it off? So, why did you have to have it removed? Well, they said it was diseased. Okay. Now, you said it was a Dutch elm, but actually it probably isn't a Dutch elm. Do you think it's a Chinese elm? I don't know. Hmm. There are elms and there are elms. <laughs> <laughs> well, so like the American elm, you know, commonly called the American elm, is the one that was attacked by the Dutch elm disease. And likely that isn't what you have in your garden. Likely what you do have is something called a Chinese elm. And they are, were completely fine in terms of Dutch elm disease. And they they grow like weeds. They were often planted as hedges, you know, 30 years ago, 40 years ago, which sprouted up to 40 feet tall overnight and, you know, were never kind of kept under control. And then they ultimately become very weak and diseased and come down and need to come down because of the weakness and the disease within the plant. So that would, if it's a Chinese elm that you have, I would say don't allow it to grow. Just keep cutting off any growth that comes off the trunk. If it's in something else, though, it might be worth keeping. So it's more just a question of, again, maybe you want to take a picture. I need to see the, the actual leaf, you know, a good close-up of the leaf, and I could probably help you identify what kind of elm it is. Okay. Okay. That might help. If you're not sure. Cause that's, I'm not sure, but this thing is like 18, about 18 feet in diameter. The trunk, you it's mean? Old, old, yeah, the trunk. It's like it's an old tree. Yeah, it is. 18... And it, you know, it was our salvation for for uh, shade, but anyways, um, it had to be down, and I don't know. I just wanted okay. hope it would grow up again. So who took it down for you? It was an arborist. Okay. So, I mean, go back. Do you have the paperwork that the arborist did? Because the arborist may have written the variety of the tree on the paperwork. It uh, was a whole slew of them in our area that were all chopped down, so I don't know whether uh, it is a Dutch or whether it's a Chinese or yeah. um, okay. look at my paperwork. Yeah, look at your paperwork. You could also consider calling that arborist. It just called because of how long ago was the tree taken out? Well, last, uh, just last fall. Yeah. So, I mean, you could always follow, go backwards and call that arborist and, and just say, you know, you took a tree down and this is what's happening. Can you tell me, should I allow, uh, it'd be called a sucker, the new growth that's coming off okay. the root. Okay. Should you allow the sucker to grow or is this something that is, you know, bad idea and something brand new should go in close by? Okay. Because you're right. So the shade is so important and we need our trees. We really appreciate our shade. So, and the canopy does so much for the environment and, and and for our own personal comfort. So, so true. Something, you know, you need to get something in there. If not that original tree, then a different variety. But like I say, the arborist will be very familiar with what he or she did. So mm-hmm. maybe try them. And if that fails, send me an email. That's great. I thank you very much. My- happy birthday, Frank. Oh, thank you very much, Valerie. I appreciate okay, that. Okay, take Thanks care. Thanks for calling. We'll be back uh, to say hi to Ellen in Brantford in just a couple of moments. You're listening to AM740 Zoomer Radio, 96.7 FM in downtown Toronto. Don't change stations just because the weather changes. 
garden tips and advice all year round. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio. And, Charlie, we're off to Brantford right now to say hi hmm. to Ellen. Good morning, Ellen. Good morning. Good morning. I'm calling about my uh, tropical plant. I believe it's pronounced Croton, C-R-O-T-O-N. Yep, Croton, yep. I have 15 of them, and I overwinter them and put them out in the summer, and they're mm. usually spectacular. But mm-hmm. this last winter, they... Uh, all the leaves fell off, and they they look like little skeletons. They're starting to um, to rebud. I've put Miracle mm. Grow on them, and I've been trying to do something with them. Should I repot them into new soil so this doesn't happen again? the coming winter? So what you do is you leave them in pots, you put them out for the summer, you bring them in for the winter. How do you overwinter them? I just put them in the living room. Oh. And uh, usually, well, for two winters, they've been just as beautiful in the living right, room. Right, yeah, like a houseplant, yeah. Yes, but this last winter, the leaves were falling off and... Um, uh, they started out beautiful, but as I said, now they're they're pretty much little skeletons with tiny wee green buds on the stems. Okay, so f- what I would suggest is first we have to go back to why the leaves fell off. Because you were doing everything right, you had them in a sunny window, you weren't overwatering, you've done this for two winters already. So when a croton suddenly starts losing its leaves, or 15 crotons suddenly start losing their leaves, the first thing I suspect is spider mites, which okay. is an, I was going to say it's an insect, but Technically, it's not. It's a tiny, tiny spider that sucks the juices from the plant from the leaves. And you won't see them because they're so tiny, but you will see webbing. So way back when it had leaves, back in December, January, February, you could have potentially, if spider mites were on the plants, have seen uh, webbing across where the leaf and the stems come together. There's a little angular yes, crotch there. And if you saw webbing, then you would suspect spider mite, and that's what would ultimately kill the plants. So um, I would have, at that point, suggested you use a product called End All, so E-N-D-A-L-L. But, okay. But that's done. Those leaves have fallen. You've removed, and they've all, those leaves have gone out to the compost. What I would do is I would give all these plants a really thorough soap and water bath. I would cut them back a little bit to try and uh, get those buds to, to pop because right. the, there's life still in the roots, so they want to grow. Um, so give them what they need. Give them light. Be careful to not overwater. And uh, miracle Grow is a great idea, but just the once. Wait before you've got some more leaves happening before okay. you fertilize again. And cross your fingers. They should come back, but you pruning them back will force out the growth more quickly. Make sure okay. they're in good sun. Uh, certainly they can be outside now. We don't seem to have any frost at all in the forecast. So get them outside. Get them in as much light as you possibly can uh, so that when those new leaves grow, they're ready for all this beautiful sunshine that's coming. <laughs> and, <laughs> and then you should have them smaller maybe than last year, but you should have them again to have out in the garden this year. Uh, yes, I, I will try that. Yeah. I will do that. Thank yeah, you. but that's what I would have suspected at the time for sure. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Thank you very Thank much, you Ellen. Very much. Yeah, right. indeed. Hey, uh, gosh, second time this morning, we're off to Aurelia. Mm-hmm. This time, another uh, first-time caller. Hey, Lisa, good morning. Welcome to the show. Well, thank you so much for having my call. Um, it's always a pleasure to listen to you. I listened to you with a very good friend. You made him very happy. Okay. And we always heard questions about amaryllis, and we kind of chuckled. But mm-hmm. I have a story about my husband mm-hmm. fertilizing a little amaryllis with a Q-tip, and I got seeds, and I started a base, and I have a baby, mm-hmm. and I just don't know how to get her to flower now. Wait. Patience. 
Yes. That little baby has, it's going to take a couple of years. Okay. So that little baby is a tiny, tiny little bulb. And that bulb is going to very slowly, over the next few years, get bigger and bigger based on the leaves absorbing sunshine and converting sunshine into carbohydrates, which is going to build the bulb bigger. So at some point, the bulb is going to be big enough and mature enough to set a flower. But it's a good four or five years from now. Okay, out in the sunshine in the summer sure. and then back in for a rest and then yep, exactly. give her a little bit in the spring again. Well, some people even keep amaryllis, never let it rest. They'll just keep it growing unless it, it decides to just rest on its own. They'll just water. As long as the plant is using water, they'll water it, keep it in the sunshine. Don't force it to rest. It may choose to do so, okay, but that's otherwise... that's kind of what I've been doing. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, and my just, friend Bob loved your show. Oh, you made lovely. him so happy. <laughs> Good stuff. Well, thank you so much for calling. Thank you. Happy birthday. Frank. Thank you, Lisa. Take care. I'll be <laughs> you bet. Alrighty. Thank you so much. We do have time for one more caller here. You think? Yeah. Richmond Hill. Okay. This might be a friend of yours, I think. Uh, Eleanor in Richmond Hill. No, sure. that's, no. Where are we? Thornhill. Oh, oh Thornhill. Pardon close, me. though. Thornhill's yeah. close. Yeah. <laughs> Hi, Eleanor. Good morning. Uh, okay, I'm here. <laughs> I was reading the paper in between. Sorry. Oh, no worries. Uh, I have a plant. Someone gave me a plant. It's, it's beautiful green leaves. Mm-hmm. And then for for I um, for flowering, the stem comes. There's a stem, and at the end of the stem, it looks like say it's white, and it looks like a Q-tip. That's what the stem looks like, and it makes a red leaf. Then the red leaf uh, stays for a while, then shrivels up and dies. <laughs> okay. Do you know what kind of plant it is? Okay, so, okay, green stem, white tip, looks like a Q-tip, red leaves that, sounds like a poinsettia, uh, red leaves that fall off. Um, Okay, when did you get this plant? In uh, March. In March. As a kid. Okay, I wonder, you know what, do you have access to the internet? No, I don't. Okay. Well, even just go to your local library, and you could look up a plant called Anthurium, A-N-T-H-U-R-I-U-M. Anthurium is what it could be, because they do have red flowers that look a lot like leaves, and that might be what you're thinking of. And they're very popular now, and they're very popular right around Valentine's Day. So February, March time, I saw a lot available in the store. So I bet you that's what it is. All righty. Okay. Thank you very much, Eleanor. Uh, scant description, but I, I think you nailed it. You might have nailed it. <laughs> I hope so. That's one of those mystery plants. Yes. Hey, uh, we're uh, we're just about uh, done here oof. on a Saturday morning at least. Yes, indeed. Uh, and, and I'm buying you steak and eggs? That, well, I'm going to check out the uh, menu there at uh, the Grenadier Restaurant in uh, High I mean, Park. If they've got pheasant under glass. Oh, pheasant under glass. <laughs> Since you're paying. Yeah, that's correct. It's on me. <laughs> so that's why I thought I'd like take it up a notch to steak and eggs. But we can. Uh, I'll phone ahead well, for the right. pheasant we'll under glass. <laughs> Thanks, Charlie. And you're thank welcome. you, folks, for all the good wishes. I appreciate that. Yeah, exactly. Thank you, everybody, for all your great questions. I appreciate that. And I guess you're busy here. Doors open. Yeah. You're on deck. That's right. I'll be People are coming through. 1 You're to 3.30. Waving at the crowd. Neil Headley, our uh, main guy, is going to be with us. Our program afternoon. director. Yeah. Well, that's very special. Exactly so. You have a ton of fun with Neil. And thank you so much, Sebastian. Couldn't do it without all your help. See you all again next week. This has been an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. This has been an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, 
the new AM740. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.